be a total like media night. So you guys are in for it. Um, but I just wanted to. Get, there is actually a few announcements. We don't do too many announcements here, but I have a couple announcements for you. Okay. How many of you guys know who Pastor Jeff and Peggy Tunnel are? That's really good because you go to this church, right? <laughs> if you don't go to this church, raise your hand. If you don't go to this church, what are you doing here? I'm just kidding. I mean, you're in this church, which means that you come to this church, right? So you came to this church. You're here at this church. So raising your hand means that you are coming to this church. So anyways, Pastor Jeff and Peggy Tunnel are having like their 30th anniversary being married. Okay? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Una, Una and I are coming up on our seven-year this uh, this Monday. So seven years. In fact, our baby's going to be five months old this Wednesday. So we're taking donations, and it's <laughs> this tomorrow. Yeah, actually, this tomorrow. Cool. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, so they're having the th their thirty-year anniversary. P P tomorrow is Wednesday. Okay, he was born on a Wednesday, so I just kind of counted by the Wednesdays. So he was actually five months old yesterday. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks for straightening me out, valedictorian. Leave it to a high schooler. Anyways, um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Anyways, um, they're having a huge blowout anniversary party bash thing, okay? And they asked us if we could um, maybe assist them in the partying. I thought we could do that. I mean, we're good for that. I think we're going to party on. That's going to be Friday, uh, July 11th. So since this is the last time I'm going to meet with you guys until next month, um, I have to tell you now, so don't forget, July 11th, I'll probably be calling you or you know check out the MySpace, CY3D MySpace, and um, um, then find my text messages. I'll text message everybody too. So, um, Okay then, I guess you're not coming. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Send a dove, a carrier dove. <laughs> um, so, anyways, a uh, huge party. You guys know where um, Gary and Shirley Hastings live over on Aeroplane? Okay, you'll get that information. If you guys come to church, you guys do come to church here, right? Okay, we covered that. There's a bulletin. We all know what the bulletin looks like, right? Yeah? Yeah, like who reads the bulletin, right? <laughs> I just, yeah. I, yeah, okay. You only read it for the comics, right? <laughs> um, in the, in the bulletin, we'll have the address, the time, the location, and everything. So if you don't get the bulletin, you don't come to church here, you don't get the bulletin, you can go online now. Check this out. You can go online and look at our bulletin. <gasps> right? <laughs> the other thing, which is so totally awesomely radically cool, if that's even you know, a bodacious word to be used by today's generation, um, Una has just got up on our website um, streaming audio for the services. So that's pretty sweet. So if you go to bigbearchristiancenter.org, you can check out all kinds of stuff. You can go to you can get CY messages. You can get Saturday and Sunday night messages. And that's going to be up and going here within the next uh, couple weeks. So check it out. Okay, who's going to check it out? Say check it out. Okay, you're going to check it out? Check it out. Okay, now how many of you guys have been to Hollywood before? You guys know where? Well, you guys kind of know the vicinity of Hollywood. I know you know where Hollywood is. <laughs> Universal Studios Hollywood, yeah. You guys know it's in California, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's in L.A. You know, you're driving down the road and you see Hollywood up there in the side of the mountain. Um, that's 
Yeah, the D is silent. Yeah, it's French. Well, it depends on what dialect you're coming from, too. Uh, yeah. Okay, now you guys know where Hollywood is. Now, how many of you guys like witnessing? I mean, have you guys ever done like any ministry work, gone out off the mountain, like gone out of the country even, and gone uh, witnessing? Well, how many of you guys would like an opportunity for that? Okay, if you want to get hooked up, there's a place called Oasis of Hollywood, and every year um, they take a group of, of kids like you, you know, teenagers, high schoolers, uh, college people, uh, just about any walk of life, and they go witnessing on the streets for like a whole week. You get total amount of food for like every day, three three meals a day. You get housing, and it's only like two hundred to fifty bucks for the whole week. And that starts July twentieth. Um, Rob Hastings is the one leading this up. He used to be our missionary down in Guatemala. He's now living up in Reading, I think it is. Not Reading, Sacramento, somewhere in that area. You know, okay, you got the sequoias, and you kind of go. Never eat shredded wheat. You go west, <laughs> and it's just outside the Sequoias West. But anyways, he's coming down. And he's going to be taking a group. So if you if you're interested in that, see me afterwards. I'll get you connected with that guy. And uh, it's actually going. It, it's really cool. It's really a cool trip, and it's actually a trip because you're on the streets of Hollywood down there, like by the by the Gorman Theater, Gorman Chinese Theater, the El Capitan, and all that, and uh, witnessing on the streets down there. It's, it's kind of crazy, but you know, it's a. <laughs> It's a, <laughs> it's pretty cool. It comes out with some good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's like two. Oh, I'm sorry. It's um. It's about two hundred fifty dollars for a trip, but then you're gonna need some extra money for essentials, probably like some toiletries and whatever. So figure around four hundred dollars, you'd probably be good for, for, for the whole week. You get three meals a day and lodging. It's pretty good. I mean, that's you say you think you know acquire the fire. We we take it's like sixty five dollars for three days when we go to acquire the fire. That's like pretty cheap. But let's see if we say four hundred dollars for the whole week it's divided by seven. Mathematician, how much is that? <laughs> seven divided by four hundred or four hundred vitamins. Carry the one six. It's like it's about sixty-five bucks a day, right? Eighty bucks. So, anyways, it's a good deal. Okay, here's the last thing. You guys like skating? Yeah. You guys know about this? Who doesn't know about this? I just found out about this recently myself. If you want to take one, give one to give one to Travis for me. Uh, did you want one? Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I thought I could get one to you out of all those, but... <laughs> Can I have one of those, Travis? <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> I'll tell you what I'm talking about. This helps. Uh, this is pretty cool. I mean, I like skating. I used to skate for like uh, five, six, seven years, something like that. Did it all the time until I kept breaking my ankle when I, you know, I gave up. I threw my board at somebody and I said, "Here, you can have it." And I think still to this day they have a board sticking out of their head. I'm not, I'm not sure. They're a little deformed, but um, anyways, you know, battle the band. Check that out. Carne asada tacos. Now, who doesn't like Mexican food, right? Skate park. Uh, there's going to be a, a here's a here it is a cool one. Team building open play guitar hero. 
And I come <laughs> Have you ever tried playing Guitar Hero and skateboarding at the same time? <laughs> that's the new Nintendo game coming, I'm telling you. That's right around. So anyways, July 5th, that's the day after 4th of July. Yeah, right. So you guys, uh, here's the last announcement. So you all got one of these. You know what's happening. But 4th of July. What are you guys doing on 4th of July? Work. Nothing. Watch fireworks. Um, it's the day after the third. Uh, it's a. F is it a Friday? Yeah, it's a Friday. Well, uh, like every year, you guys know where community churches, community church by the lake. There's always a party down there. Okay, or you know, most of the people from our church end up there. Or um, so, anyways, I'm going to be there with a bunch of people. So if you guys show up, you know, maybe we'll have a big old crowd. But Fourth of July, it's a great place because the fireworks are like right overhead there. It's like perfect view no matter where you are. So. Yeah. And then there's, of course, the low-budget section that you can see really good, too. Anywhere else on the lake, you couldn't see it, but right there, you know, it's really cool. So that's my um, announcements for the, the evening. It's time for the yeah, it's totally free. Yeah, I just had to play that again because it was so corny. So. Okay, now you guys are ready for the message. If you're ready for the message, say, I'm ready for the message. Say, I'm ready for the word, Ed. <laughs> Come give it to me. Knock me out, Ed. <laughs> Simon didn't say. No, okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to pray for us this evening because uh, it's a little squirrely in here, and I'm a little squirrely, and my notes are squirrely, so... It's just, uh, instead of being squirrely-rific, let's pray that God is kind of powerful instead. <laughs> Father, tonight, I just come before you, Lord, and I ask that your words would just come out of um, my mouth tonight, Lord God, that um, this um, evening that we have planned in, in, for for tonight, Lord God, it's it's different, God, but uh, I, I believe that you can move through it because it's a lot of word, and, and your word is living, it's powerful, it's active, it's sharper than any double-edged sword, it's able to penetrate between the bone and the marrow into our very beings, Lord God, and change our lives from the inside out, God. And so we yield to you tonight, God, and we ask that you would come and that you would do that in our lives tonight, God. But we give it to you, Lord, and ask that you would move in the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay. I have a unique, rather unique message for you tonight because I decided I wanted to, you know, talking with God, I'm like, you know, this generation is really a media-oriented generation, wouldn't you say? Do you guys know what, what commercials were like back in the 50s? <laughs> I should have brought in one because uh, I have this, not that I was there, no, <laughs> but, you know, I like classic film features like from the Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis show. I mean, have you guys ever heard of that? D. Martin is like the suave king, right? He's, when the moon hits your eyes, right? That guy, and then you got Gary Lewis, you know, <laughs> lady, that guy. And they're together, and it's us awesome. But they used to do a show called the, Col the Colgate Hour. And between the Colgate Hour, they would have like maybe a 10-minute sketch and like a 5-minute commercial. And they would go on about Ajax being like the cleansliest thing. And my doctor says it will clear my skin if I put it on my face. That's palm olive oil, sorry. But um, <laughs> not Ajax. You don't put Ajax on your face. But um, <laughs> unless you want to get rid of that tan because it will just bleach you right out. But, um, but those commercials were like five minutes long. And now today, like the average commercial is like 15, 30 seconds long. I and mean, it's like you have to watch because it goes 
like that. <laughs> it's fast, you know? So um, I thought, you know, I'm going to try and throw a bunch of things out to you guys tonight and see how much you grab. Just kind of be my guinea pigs, okay? You guys good with being guinea pigs? Good, because I brought my needles. <laughs> I want to try the solution on you. <laughs> no, I do have a solution, though, for you. So uh, check this out. Um, besides the end of this message, this is the only time where I'm actually going to speak face-to-face with you. Um, so I got. I just want you guys to really pay attention, wake up, smell the coffee, and just really focus with me during this, especially, um, well, actually, during this whole message, okay, <laughs> because it's going to go quickly. Hmm? If you want to take notes, that'd be great because there's a lot of scripture. And these are essential scriptures to who you are in Christ. Okay? Um, what I want to give you guys tonight is how you have what it takes inside of you to become a mighty man or woman of God. And you guys are okay with that, right? You, yeah, I mean, that's exciting news. That's something inside of you should already start to say, yeah, I want to know how to be a mighty man or woman of God. I mean, just the word mighty is exciting, isn't it? Someone say mighty. <laughs> now take your fist and go like this. The beach is that way. Yeah, the beach is that way. What is might? <laughs> what does might make you think of? What is mighty? When just the word mighty. What's it make you think of? Strong, I mean, big, heroic. He's mighty to save. It, it, it sounds like a person that's able to conquer just about anything, doesn't it? Just like. A, it sounds like a very strong, gallant person, kind of like the, uh, like those heroes that we talked about last month in the movies, like uh, the Last Samurai, the Guardian, um, not the Guardian, the, gar- <laughs> the Gladiator, <laughs> um, and then we went to Narnia and we flipped around a few of those things. But what you guys need to see is that God has given every one of you a distinct sense of value, and the problem is is that uh, some of us feel like we're worthless at times, but the Bible, you guys need to know that the Bible says that you're different, that you're not valueless. You know, you have value. And I don't mean like, I, what I'm saying is that you, we need to have a change. Something needs to happen with this value system that we think we, we think we have a value, but it's like this small. God says you have a value, which is like beyond our imagination. Okay, but what we need to do is have a change of mind we need to be changed. And I'm not talking like changing the baby's diaper kind of change. I'm talking like a change from the inside out. All right? So you guys going to follow me on this? Say, I'm going to follow you, Ed. Now say it like with that exclamation on the end. I'm going to follow you, Ed. Yeah, I like that. That's good. Okay. <laughs> the Bible says that the problem here that we have is that the devil is going to try to kill, steal, and destroy what God has placed in you to make you think that you're less valuable than you really are, okay? When he says that, he's, he, he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking who, the, who he may devour. When, when you see on the History Channel or the, the Animal Channel or Animal Planet or whatever, you see the lion, he takes off out of the bushes and he's going towards a, an elk or whatever. Who does he go after? He, he goes after the weak one, Yeah. Why would he waste his time running around in circles after the head of the flock, right? He's going to go after the weak one. Well, that's what the devil's going to do. He's going to see who's the weakest in your group, where you're the weakest in your faith, and he's going to attack you there. And when we start thinking that we're valueless and that we don't have a value, that's where he's going to try and take you out and say, and, you know, throw in depression, make you think that you suck, you know. <laughs> Can you say suck from the pulpit? <laughs> yeah, vacuums do it. 
What he wants to do is he will get you to get to feel lethargic. He'll get you to feel complacent and so content that he, by the subtleties of life that nothing's going to, you're going to care less about anything that happens to get thrown at you. The work of the Lord's going to, is going to start slacking behind. If he can just get you to get lethargic and care less about what's going on around you or the people around you. The problem also, I, I believe, is that, um, that we, I think that some of us have listened to the lies too long. We've listened to the lies that, um, you know, don't worry about it, someone else will do it. And, you know, that someone else is thinking the same thing. Someone else is going to do it, so something else never gets done, right? Well, what happens, what happens with that? Well, it kind of ha- what happens is what we get today. We get prayer taken out of schools, we get legalized abortion, we get gay marriages. <laughs> I'm okay with check. <laughs> It was my wife. <laughs> Doesn't she know what I'm preaching? No. Um, but that's what he wants. He just wants us to feel like worthless and forget about it. And that's that's going to be his greatest victory if, is if, if the Christians in this world would do nothing. Now, check this out. I found um, about 16 times, just 16 times in the New Testament where it refers to us being in the world and not of the world. Just, just in the New Testament alone being in the world, but not of the world. Um, and if this is how we're supposed to live, in the world, but not of the world, how come we as Christians are starting to look more like the world? You know, I, I haven't lived that long. I'm only third of years old. <laughs> I'm only years old. But I've seen... A lot of changes just since I've left high school. You know, I've seen, you know, we used to have a pretty strong crowd at the high school. And now we're dwindled down to maybe a handful or lucky if anybody raises their hand and speaks out for Christ. Even in the workplace. I've seen it even in our church. Or not just in our church, but in the church as a whole. People are not standing up. They're becoming more, they're starting to dress more like the world. Not that that's a bad thing. But when we start associating ourselves, that's the thing. We call ourselves Christians. And yet we maybe we wear a shirt that has a, a beer logo on it or promotes uh, some kind of uh, sexually carnal thing or uh, get those good uh, good lady, bad lady, angel wannabe things and you start promoting that. Oh, I just like it because it looks cool. It promotes you know the good side and the bad side of life. But yeah, have you guys looked at the silhouette <laughs> of that thing? I mean, you're starting to associate yourself with the wrong things. And once you do, the world doesn't see anything different, do they? They say, well, what makes you different? I mean, you look just like us. When we act like the world and do things with others that are against our biblical worldview, we're basically telling the world that it's okay, even if we're not engaging in the same activity with them. Do you hear that? I think a lot of us know this, but we kind of ignore it. We take it for granted sometimes. We say, okay, I'm going to go out to a party, but I'm not going to drink. I'm just going to hang out with those that do. And so if you don't say anything, you just kind of go, Hey, man, how's it going? Oh, I'm just sipping back in my Coca-Cola here. And they're like, yeah, man, this is such a good brewski right here, dude. I'm like, yeah, this is Coke. This is Coke, like, Coke. You want to stick some of this? And so you're just kind of playing around, and you're joking, you're playing around like that, but you're not really saying that it's wrong. You're actually playing it off like it's like big deal. So what if somebody goes and sniffs real Coke and chokes himself or overdoses or whatever, you know? <laughs> I mean, last time I did that, I got an ice cube stuck in my nose. <laughs> but 
<laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> now see, here I am doing the same thing, aren't I? <laughs> you know? But do you, do you see what I'm saying? And we're just condoning their acts. That's all it comes down to, right? You guys can't get away with that ice cube thing. <laughs> but, but if we keep quiet and we're still telling, that, telling them that we're no different than they are, so why would they want to believe? I mean, what makes it different? Just so they, what if they did believe? But they believe they came to Jesus because of you, because of you hanging out with them, but you never stood up and said, you know what, I can't, you know, I'm not going to drink that because I have a moral value system. When you start and say, I have a moral, biblical value system that says, you know what, I need to keep myself clean because the Bible says that I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit, and I don't want to, I don't want to abuse that in any way. I want to be, um, you know, a pure light, and, you know, that's what I believe, so I'm not going to drink. Instead, I'm going to have this Coke. <laughs> I'm not going to sniff it. <laughs> but when you start to say something like that, then maybe that, that's a little bit of an influence there, and they see why you're doing it. But if you don't say anything, you're saying, you know what, I can hang out with the, the best of the sinners. Yeah, it's all good. Jesus hung out with sinners, sure. But they knew what he stood for. So what do you stand for? When they do come to Jesus, if you're not saying anything, and they do come to Jesus, why? I and mean, why would they do that? Just so they could pull this cosmic little, you know, rescue life alert button out of their pocket and say, Jesus, I need you for this, but as soon as you do this for me, I'm going to go back to the way I was. I mean, that's, that's how a bad witness can turn out, you know, because they become, what you do is you multiply yourself in a bad way because <laughs> all they see is the flaky side. So what, what we have done is we've given them the prospect of there being no absolutes. A lot of times uh, when, when we do something, we hang out and, the, and they're smoking, they're poking smot or whatever, and um, they're taking a hit, and you're just like, how's that, how's that joint? Is it pretty good? And you're like, they're like, yeah, it's pretty good. You want some? And you're like, no. Now you guys go ahead. And it's like, the same, you know, you go ahead and burn yourself to death. It's okay. <laughs> you go, why, why are you doing that? You know, keep them. What we need to do is we, God needs godly men and women to stand up and say, what is your problem? You're going to, 10 years from now, you're going to be voting for me and who's president. I don't want some dopehead, you know, trying to vote for president for me. Who knows what they're going to elect? Obama's going to be the next Osama, not Obama. Osama, Osama bin Laden's going to be the next president if it's up to you. <laughs> I watch my language here. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we need somebody, to, we need, God needs people to stand up and really say, you know what, that is just stupid what you're doing. I can't be around this. If you guys want me to hang out with you, we're going to have to like cut it clean, you know. Um So I don't know. I'm probably touching some chords with you guys. Do you guys feel a little challenged yet? Do you feel like a little somebody, like somebody's going to you and telling you what you should and should not do? I mean, you don't have to answer that question, but I'm just, you know, you probably feel a little, maybe a little pinch or a little edge on you right now from what I've said. Um, you're probably thinking, well, what's he talking about? Why can't I hang out with these guys? And well, because again, the Bible says a bad company corrupts good judgment. I don't care how good of a Christian you are, if you're spending more time with the people that are in the world than the people that aren't, then uh, you're going to start changing. You know, things you might not feel it because it's so subtle, but what a perfect chance for the devil to step in and try to take you out. Okay, so that's it for me. That's, those are my words for right now. Okay, so we're going to go to the Bible and to the media and. Uh, you guys are going to focus in right now, right? Okay, listen up. This is where I stop talking. Now, if I start talking between scriptures, go, hey, hey, uh, uh, 
Okay? You got my permission. All right? First off, here we go. Romans 12, 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will accept. When you think of what he has done for you, is this too much to ask? Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by the changing of the way that you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. Romans 12, 1 and 2, this is the Message Bible. So this, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to our culture, or to your culture, that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. 1 Corinthians 8, 7c-13. through 13. This is the Message Bible. But knowing isn't everything. If it becomes everything, some people end up as know-it-alls who treat others as know-nothings. <laughs> Real knowledge isn't that insensitive. We need to be sensitive to the fact that we're not all the same level of understanding in this. Some of you have spent your entire lives eating idle meat and are sure that there's something bad in the meat that then becomes something bad inside of you. An, imagine, an imagination and conscience shaped underneath those conditions isn't going to change overnight. But fortunately, God doesn't grade us on our diet. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We're neither commended when we clean our plate nor reprimanded when we just can't stomach it. But God does care when you use your freedom carelessly in a way that leads a Christian still vulnerable to those old associations to be thrown off track. For instance, say you flaunt your freedom by going to a banquet thrown in honor of idols where the main course is meat sacrificed to idols. Isn't there great danger if somebody's still struggling over this issue? Someone who looks up to you as knowledgeable and mature sees you go into that banquet? The danger is that he will become terribly confused, maybe even to the point of getting mixed up himself and what his conscience is telling him is wrong. Christ gave up his life for that person. Wouldn't you at least be willing to give up going to dinner for him? Because as you say, it doesn't really make any difference. But it does make a difference if you hurt your friend terribly, risking his eternal ruin. When you hurt your friend, you hurt Christ. A free meal here and there isn't worth it at the cost of even one of these weak ones. So never go to, those, to these idol-tainted meals. If there's any chance, it will trip, trip up one of your brothers or sisters. From the beginning of time, man has had the urge to communicate. 776 BC, hundreds of homing pigeons are released throughout Greece, carrying the names of those who found victory and glory at the Olympic Games. 1450, Johannes Gutenberg begins a printing experiment that will bankrupt him while ushering in the age of the printed book. 1857, the British Board of Trade publishes an alphabet of signal flags to improve international communication among ships. Over the next hundred years, the code is revised five times. Letter J, which originally meant, I am going to send a message, becomes, I am on fire and have dangerous cargo on board. 
March 10, 1876. Alexander Graham Bell accidentally spills battery acid. Picking up his experimental phone line, he places his first call to his assistant in the next room. Mr. Watson, come here. I want you. October 30th, 1938. CBS radio broadcasts a series of news bulletins directed by Orson Welles, stating Martians had landed in Grover's Mill, New Jersey, and were crossing the Hudson into New York. Hundreds panicked. Police struggled to subdue the crowds. November 3rd, 1948. Chicago Daily Tribune released a newspaper with the headline, Dewey Defeats Truman. Dewey loses the election and Harry S. Truman resumes office as the 34th President of the United States. 1974. The Fawn supplies for a library card, hoping to pick up chicks. Reading is cool, he announces. Within days, thousands of teenagers across America flock to the public libraries, raising total card applications by 500%. 1984. Time Magazine alters its Man of the Year designation, opting instead for Machine of the Year, the personal computer. October 24, 2006. A Utah teenager breaks the record for text messaging, sending a 160-character message in 42.22 seconds. His message? The razor-toothed piranhas of the genera Cerasalamus and Pigacentris are the most ferocious freshwater fish in the world. In reality, they seldom attack a human. February 4, 2008. NASA commemorates the 50th anniversary of its first space mission by transmitting the Beatles song across the universe to Polaris, the North Star. Throughout time, the means of communication has changed dramatically. We now have the ability to deliver messages faster and farther than ever before. What message are you sending? How are you impacting lives? <laughs> okay. Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I am merely a human and I have been sold as a slave to sin. In fact, I don't understand why I act the way I do. I don't do what I know is right. I do the things I hate. Although I don't do what I know is right, I am not the one doing these evil things. The sin that lives in me is what does them. I know that my selfish desires won't let me do anything that is good. Even when I want to do right, I can't. Instead of doing what I know is right, I do wrong. And so, if I don't do what I know is right, I am no longer the one doing these evil things. The sin that lives in me is what does them. In every part of me, I discover something fighting against my mind, and it makes me a prisoner of the sin that controls everything I do. What a miserable person I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is doomed to die?
Romans 7, 4 through 6. This is the Message Bible again. So my friends, this is something like what has taken place with you. When Christ died, he took that entire world-dominated way of life down with him and left it in the tomb, leaving you free to marry a resurrection life and bear offspring of faith for God. For as long as we lived that old way of life, doing whatever we felt we could get away with, sin was calling most of the shots as the old law code hemmed us in. Or hemmed us in. And this made us all the more rebellious. In the end, all we had to show for it was miscarriages and stillbirths. But now that we're no longer shackled to that domineering mate of sin, and out from under all those oppressive regulations and fine print, we're free to live a new life in the freedom of God. Romans seven fourteen through 25. I can anticipate the response that's coming. I know that all God's commands are spiritual, but I'm not. Isn't that also your experience? Yes, I'm full of myself. After all, I've spent a long time in sin's prison. What I don't understand about myself is that I decided that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more. For if I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, and then I do it anyways. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that, it, that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel. And just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart, with all my mind, but I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. Romans 12.2 again. New King James Version. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may be able to prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I've been alone for a long time. Not because I want to be. But because until I solve this problem, I have to be. Your target is a fugitive from the U.S. government who stole military secrets. This is the location. Snatch and grab only. Live capture. Take him. That man's whole body is probably with the U.S. Army. You have to get as far away from me as you can. Go! There are aspects of my personality that I can't control. When I lose control, it's very dangerous to be around me.
filling in. Hold back now. Second Corinthians five seventeen through twenty, New Living Translation. What this means is that those who become Christians become new persons. They are not the same anymore. For the old life is gone, a new life has begun. All this newness of life is from God, who brought us back to Himself through what Christ did. And God has given us the task of reconciliation. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. This is the wonderful message he has given us to tell others. We are Christ's ambassadors, and God is using us to speak to you. We urge you, as though Christ himself were here pleading with you, be reconciled to God. Quotes from the clip. He says, There are aspects of my personality that I can't control, and when I lose control, it's very dangerous to be around me. There's only one thing that can fight it, and it's in me. Ephesians 2, 2 through 9, New Living Translation. You used to live just like the rest of the world, full of sin, obeying Satan, the mighty prince of the power of the air. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. And all of us used to live that way, following the passions and desires of our evil nature. We were born with an evil nature, and we were under God's anger just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so very much that even while we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It was only by God's special favor that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ, and we are seated with him in heavenly realms, all because we are one with Christ Jesus. And so God can always point us as examples of the incredible wealth of his favor and kindness towards us, as shown in all that he has done for us through Christ Jesus. God saved you by his special favor when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Romans 8.31, New King James. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? First John 4.4, 4, You are of God and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Revelation 12.11, New King James. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives unto death. Philippians 2.10 At the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. They say life is a journey. It's more than that. It's everything and nothing at the same time. You mean everything to God, but yet you count for nothing in the scheme of things. strange dichotomy. 
but it sticks. Before I spend a lot of times just the way I go back and forth, back and forth, in and out and up and down. I dip down to the darkness, then swim for the light. Sometimes barely breaking through the surface before I lose my breath. God and I have a game we play. Only a few. He gives, I take. He gives on and on and on. Seems like forever. Out of the depths, I cry to you. Self-empty, but it goes on and on and on. And here I am again, stubborn, unrelenting. Casually, can't believe I let myself get this way. I'm not surprised, I guess. It's nothing new. Little by little, it kills me inside. Sometimes it feels like my hands are tied. Like I couldn't be a man of God. Couldn't be good if I tried. Like asking the dark to be less dark, or asking a pig to roll around in its own filth and eat sleep. Evil is natural, but goodness is supernatural. I guess it's the way it's meant to be. That's true. Then what's the point? We can't help but do wrong. What's the point of even striving to do good? What shall we say then? Why not give in? Paul asked that same question more than a few centuries ago. One of the answers he came up with is that in spite of evil, in spite of darkness, we're transformed. Our minds are renewed. Our bodies are walking, breathing, living sacrifices, willingly slaughtered for the sake of Christ. Living sacrifice. Living sacrifice. I guess that implies that it's sacrificed again and again, over and over, perpetually renewing. It dies again and again, and all to the glory of God, and to the construction of His children. Strives constantly to be good, but can't. Yet always getting closer. Transformation, supplication, restoration, restoration, new direction, new manifestation, new gestation. New creation, born again, new justification, new freedom, new feelings, new experiences, new blessings, new purpose, transformation. Jesus will never grow out of our coats of evil. God will never outgrow His blanket of forgiveness. As far as the east is from the west, as far as God's memory is from our society. Nobody wants to be reminded of how they've been out love in the back, neglected, ignored, how they've broken the hearts of their true love. God doesn't dwell in these things. He's God. He doesn't dwell in darkness. He lives in the light. He is real. Transformation goes on and on. The refining of our lives and souls is a job that will never completely be finished. At certain time, more than others, we're ready. Ready to be God's stuntmen, launched into space, be His witnesses, the radicals for His cause. Other times we're just not ready, not clean, and not equipped. The transformation continues regardless. We'll never be done. What then shall we say in response? So I guess the goal is to put ourselves on the launching pad, streamlined and transformation, strive for the heart of the Creator. Always. Jumpsuits on, crash helmets clinched tight, so that when the big mission comes, God chooses us. Because we're ready. transformed, ready for action, ready to launch, ready for anything. Transformed. It feels good to be ready. It feels good to be clean. It feels good to be transformed. For now. <laughs> Clean.
Colossians 1, 13 and 14. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood and the forgiveness of sins. 1 John 1, 7. But if we are living in the light of God's presence, just as Christ is, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from every sin. Excuse me, I'm looking for uh, Michelle Jordan. Who are you? I'm Marie Rogers, your new parole officer. Well, I've been calling in every day like I'm supposed to. I know, I just need to check in on my parolees in person, make sure they're okay. I'm fine, thank you. And you've uh, met your activity requirement? One of the more unusual stipulations, I must admit. Yeah, the revival. You know, it's been pretty incredible. I think it's having a good impact on me. Mm -hmm. I'll bet. Excuse me? Oh, everybody who gets out of jail finds Jesus, Allah, or the agnostic equivalent. I know every trick in the book and a few that haven't been published yet. Let me check your house arrest band. It's not the most complimentary accessory, but it's a necessary one, nonetheless. Now, you know, and as part of your parole, you're subject to mandatory random drug testing. I'm clean, Miss Rogers. You have a history of drug abuse? You serve time for okay. drug possession. You know that any drugs, paraphernalia, or firearms will be a violation of your parole. Look, it's like you're just waiting for me to mess up or something. Let me check your bag. You know, I'm not the same Michelle that I used to be. And I don't care if you believe me as long as I know. Bishop Jake asked us to bring something to church that kept us bound. That's been buried under my house for over 20 years. What is this? You remember the day you found out that the boogeyman was more real than you thought? You remember how ugly the world was? When a 12-year-old has her innocence taken by her mother's boyfriend, the world never looks the same again. I need to leave that at the altar tonight so I can know what it feels like to look ahead and not behind me. Romans 13, 12 through 14, New Living Translation. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So don't live in darkness. Get rid of your evil deeds. Shed them like dirty cloths. Clothe yourselves with the armor of right living as those who live in the light. We should be decent and true in everything we do so that everyone can approve of our behavior. Don't participate in wild parties and getting drunk or in adultery and immoral immoral living, or in fighting and jealousy, but let the Lord Jesus Christ take control of you and don't think of ways to indulge your evil desires. 
First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hebrews 12.1, the message. Do you see what this all means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all those veterans cheering us on, it means we'd better get on with it, strip, strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there, in the place of honor, right alongside of God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again and again, item by item. That long litany of hostly, of hostility he plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. That's it, guys. Not completely done. <laughs> A lot of stuff went by you there. Maybe some of that stuff spoke to you. Some of the stories, some of the video clips. What do you think the overall theme was? Did you, did you feel or see an overall theme or spectrum? Repent. Don't conform. Both of those point to the same to what I'm getting at here called transformation. Lots of trans you saw that you saw the Hulk being transformed, right? You saw the, the last video clip of the girl who's been transformed. She says, I'm not the old I'm not the same as I used to be, Miss Rogers. Um what other clips there were there? Oh, there was the guy that uh, he said uh, you know he's his Warring within himself, what I want to do, I don't do, and what I do want to do, I can't do. And when I say I'm not going to do the bad things, I end up doing the bad things anyways. But <sighs> the guy was shaving his head. He was saying, you know, I want to, you know, I feel like I should probably. Nah. Then he pulled away and didn't cut his hair. Not that having long hair is a bad deal. That's not what he's talking about. But maybe he was struggling within himself. There's something called a Nazarite vow. I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but the Nazarite vow is Old Testament. It's just kind of a principal thing. It's a, um, it's just something people, some things people do when they want to really show their commitment to God. But basically what they do is they shave their head and for a whole year they don't, they don't cut it and they let everything grow. And they're just saying, you know what, I'm just uh, making a vow to God. It's my Nazarite vow. It's kind of um, Samson. Um, Samson Delilah. Samson had the Nazarite vow. Didn't cut his hair. That's why his hair was long. He was like macho man. Um, that's kind of the, the deal. He was struggling with himself whether or not he should make this commitment to say, God, I'm going to sell out for you for the year. You know? And finally he did it. He zipped his hair off. But some of you guys tonight, I believe, I think need to feel a transformation like you've never had before. 
I think you need the guts and the power of the Holy Spirit to fill you so that when you go into the world, you look nothing like it. But there's things that hold you back from doing that, aren't there? You need to let go of those things tonight. You know the, you know the whole um, process of a butterfly? I mean, back to biology 101, right? What are They're basically a little worm, squiggly caterpillar thing, right? Know what happens? They cocoon themselves, then they hatch. It's a beautiful butterfly. <laughs> Have you ever seen it? Never, well, obviously, you've never seen it. You wouldn't be asking the question. But um, they they hang themselves up from a leaf, and it's just like kind of a spider web that they weave themselves around themselves. It's like a type of silk that they just kind of weave around their bodies all the way up, and. Uh, but you know what the whole process the butterfly goes through after that? When they're in the cocoon for that amount of time and they start to come and they give birth and they, they start to crack out of that shell, if you were to go over to that cocoon and, and like, I'm going to help you, little butterfly, and start peeling the, the cocoon off and say, okay, there, you're free. You don't have to struggle anymore. That butterfly wouldn't be able to fly. It'd be a limp rag. It wouldn't. It would be basically worthless and it would die because it wouldn't have the strength anymore. That whole process of getting itself out of the cocoon, out of the cocoon is what gives him the strength to live. I think that's pretty profound, <laughs> personally. What, what is that saying to us? I mean, God knew what he was doing for one thing. He, sometimes he let us go through the struggles of, uh, of not conforming to the world so that we could be stronger. But if he was to reach down and say, you know what, this is going to be really easy for you. Here you go. We'd be flopping around like these little, <laughs> we wouldn't be able to do it. But if we struggle through it and we say, God, you're the one that got me through this, then he's the one that, that, that we recognize as the one that got us through this. And we can always go back to him and, and trust in him. The struggle you feel tonight is that, that maybe that you feel... Um, To live a godly life is part of that transformation. You can't give into it. You have to press through it. Because if you don't, you're going to be weak. You have to stand up against the wiles of the enemy. But what did we read tonight? And we read it up here a couple times. We saw it. It said, "God, if God is for us, who can be against us? If we have the power to overcome the enemy by the word of our testimony, what do we, what do we have to lose? I mean, why can't we... We can struggle through this. We can break off a piece of that cocoon and say, you know, by his stripes I am healed. Uh, the devil, you have no power in my life. Strip off another thing. I can step through this and be like, you know what? I have the power because the Holy Spirit lives within me. You believe the Holy Spirit lives within you? You guys should believe that. If you're Christians, if you're saved, and you gave your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is with you. Now, there's an abundance that comes from the Holy Spirit when you seek Him and you can be filled with the Spirit and it gives you more power to do you know, abundantly and do some incredible things for the name of Christ. That's something that we should be, we should be seeking. And maybe some of us are seeking to be filled with, with, with uh, the Holy Spirit daily, but maybe there's some things in our lives that hold us back from, from that sometimes. You know, that whole struggle of you know, going out, you know, I'm doing good and then I fall away. I'm doing good and then I fall away. Well, maybe that issue that you keep falling into is maybe that's something that needs to be laid before God tonight. Kind of like um, the lady said, you know, i got to lay this before God and give this up because um, I need to look forward to the future. We need to, have a, we need to be looking forward to the future and what God has for us. 
So think about this as we're closing. You know, what do you have to lay down before God tonight to be able to have God take total control of your life? Is it is it going to be pride? Is it is it going to be your selfishness? Is it going to be condemnation that the devil throws on you whenever you do something wrong? You know, you try so hard and then you fall away and, and you get so down on yourself. In fact, you don't even want to go back to God because you're so guilty thinking, God can't forgive me for this again. He, You know, I already came to him ten other times asking for forgiveness. That's condemnation. Condemnation keeps you from going back to God. So maybe it's, maybe it's condemnation. Maybe that's what you need to lay down before God. But what is it that is keeping you from being transformed into a solid Christian? Think about it. Because as you get transformed, you're going to have people that are going to be looking up to you like the scripture we read. And we're going to have fruit. We'll be, you know, an olive tree doesn't bear fruit of an orange. <laughs> it bears like fruit. You're going to bear like fruit. But it's going to depend on how you walk your life for Christ. So and we, it's, it's like a constant struggle. We're always striving. There's always going to be a transformation. It's always going to be taking place. But we can't take the next step unless we lay down what's hindering us in Christ. Make sense? So, Father God, tonight, as we close, Lord, um, I thank you that uh, you see our hearts, that we're open and naked and bare before you, God. And we want to be transformed into a solid, believing Christian that people look up to, that people can uh, you know, get discipled from us, Lord God, that can learn from us, and we can bring people into your kingdom and do this all for your glory. But God, we confess to you right now that there's things in our lives that hold us back from walking in you. There's things that hold us back from walking fully in the things of God. Just put out your hands in front of you right now, if you would. Just put them out in front of you and say, that thing that, that, that hinders you right now, it's in your hands. And just say to God, this is hindering me. But I know that you could take it away from you can be in total control of my life. God, take this problem that's in my hands. Do only what you can do with this. Free me from the slavery that makes me fall into sin again. Free me from this, Jesus. I give it to you. In Jesus' name, take control. And God, tonight, we ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you would continually keep us drawing after you, Lord God, to focus on you, to, to do everything that we can in every, every walk of life that we have and everything that we do when we go out into the world, Lord God, that it would be just totally immersed with you, that you would be on the forefront of our mind. When, you're, when your word says to be uh, praying continually, Lord God, and that, um, Lord God, that your word just, just flows from our lips, that when we, the littlest thing, we see somebody crossing the road, we see the ambulance go by, you know, our, our hearts go right to prayer, not to all oh, the inconvenience of having to pull over so the ambulance can go by. God, help us to think outside of ourselves, Lord God. Let that transformation come from the inside out, as from you working within us, God. We thank you for the things that you're going to do in this next month and the weeks to come and the days to come, Lord God. We are sold out. We commit our lives to you, God. Thank you for taking this burden from our shoulders tonight, God. And give thank you for this newness of life, this new creation. God, until we meet again, would you stir us on in our fellowship with friends, God. Thank you for this life in you and this kingdom. We give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.
Okay, on the count of three, you're all hulks. Christian hulks, okay? One, two, three. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right, guys, um, thank you for sticking around with me late again, as usual. I told myself I was going to go through this as quick as I could, but you guys stuck it out. I hope you guys got something from this. Was this too fast? Did this go by too fast for you? Are you no, you guys say I'm products of this generation? <laughs> but you guys caught this? You caught what I'm... This is good? You like that? Right on. Yes, sir. Uh, you can be the pink Hulk. Yes, yes, you'd be, you make a good pink Hulk. So. <laughs> okay, the next game I have for you guys tonight is called a cleanup party. So out in the hallway, we have to get some things cleaned up, and we have to put the chairs up in the sides of the room. I knew you guys would be excited about this aspect of the, of CY tonight, but until then, we'll see you next month. Thanks for being here.